Greetings in our Lord Jesus and welcome to Light Steps Live, where today we'll be in our third episode in the Fruitful Disciple series, and the word of the day is Christ-likeness. You know, we introduced this series two episodes ago by simply looking at the idea of being a fruitful disciple. It's easily defined as, first off, being a disciple, being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and allowing him to tell us what to do, learning the way of life from him, learning wisdom from him, receiving our marching orders from him, just following Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then that other side of that is actually bearing fruit, bearing fruit for the glory of God and for the good of our own selves. Then we talked about how we'd begin to unfold 11 key words, and that first key word was relationships. That vertical relationship between ourselves and God is primary, and second to that is our horizontal relationship with those around us. The third word in these 11-word series, as we unfold Fruitful Disciple is Christ-likeness. Let's turn and look at a short passage in Luke chapter number five. It's, it's the passage is very familiar. It's the calling of Levi, or as we know him, Matthew. Beginning in Luke five, verse 27, the Bible says this. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners into repentance. I love this simple account of Levi. Sometimes uh, when you hear people teach on this passage or if you read commentaries, people spend a long time concentrating on, on Levi's occupation as a tax collector and what people must have thought about him. And that's all really profitable. We're just not going to get in that today. I just want us to see that Right there where he was sitting, he had a call to follow Jesus, and that call immediately began to define his life and his relationship with his friends. But the core part of the call is that he followed Jesus. Jesus began to be the cue giver. What am I doing with my day-to-day? Jesus is the cue giver. What do I want to become? Jesus is the cue giver. You know, so if I want to become something and Jesus isn't leading that way, I have to drop what I wanted to become and let Jesus lead the way. That that's that's just the core of following Jesus. But I think it's important to understand what is God doing in this following of Jesus. We can turn to lots of places in the scriptures, but what I want to do is use the example of Levi, who received the call from Jesus, follow me, and, and you know. I I love the passage because he immediately got up. He didn't let what he was doing hold him back from what he's being called to do. 
Okay. Does this mean everybody leaves their occupation to be a follower of Jesus? No, but it does mean some people are given a new vocation. Personally, when I first became a disciple of Jesus, I was an industrial maintenance man, mostly working in industrial settings like power plants and paper mills and stuff like that. I knew that I needed to keep paying my light bill. Um, and I also knew that my new primary task in life was to be a disciple maker. So I didn't quit my job. I needed groceries. Um, I needed to pay my light bill. I needed to pay my auto insurance. I didn't quit my job, but I did begin to see my primary focus in life was not to be successful at that job. My primary focus in life was to be a follower of Christ, a disciple maker, someone whose chief interest is in introducing people to Jesus, helping them come into a relationship with him and those who are in relationship with him to strengthen in that relationship, to grow in that relationship. So I saw my chief identity switch from being a, a softball guy and a construction guy and a, and a you know, a, a, a country boy, all those things I thought of myself as. My chief identity in those things were was lost and my new chief identity was in following Jesus. So is it about leaving your job? No. Is it about following Jesus? Yes. So what if I'd had a job where it was diametrically opposed to the character, the will, the way, the revealed purposes for mankind that God has given? In other words, let's say, for example, let's say I was a professional thief. Then I think the moment I started following Jesus, it would also be a call to take up a, a whole new vocational lifestyle. Uh, in other words, what I was doing for a living, I would be called out of that just by being called to walk with Jesus. So, so of all the things we could talk about when it comes to occupation, we're not even concentrating on Levi's occupation. We are simply saying that when Jesus said, Levi, come and follow me. Levi followed him, point blank, period. And in following Jesus, there's a new identity. So with, with, with that as the example, let's look at a couple other passages. One will make to give us some broad understanding about what God is doing in our lives as we follow Jesus. And then we'll jump in the, toward the end, we'll jump into a case study um, of a particular person in the scripture. And we're going to do a very quick case study, okay? So let's, if you have your Bibles and you're following along in your Bibles, look over into Romans chapter number eight. Okay. Uh, I'm really fighting at temptation today uh, to talk about how, how these scriptures I'm going to read are um, often the most misquoted, um, overused in an underpowerful way verses in all the Bible. Probably the one that's overused the, the, the most and not used properly, out of con used out of context the most is uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's probably the one, right? But in Romans chapter 8, in verse 28, a lot of people only quote the very first part of, of, of Romans 8, 28. They say, all things work together for good. Whew, man, I'm going to fight the temptation to talk about that and just read. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 26 through 30. You ready? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, and we know 
that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. All right. There's a lot there. Um, there's a lot there. By the way, I wrote a devotional um, through the book of Romans. It's called uh, Steps on the Roman Road. If you'd like to obtain a copy of that sometime, you can, you can in, a, in very manageable pieces, walk through the book of Romans with me. Uh, we have it here at My Life Matters. And every donation that's given toward the acquisition of one of these de devotionals, is, is, it goes to My Life Matters. That's a whole other story. There's a lot here. But let's just boil it down so we can have a manageable time together. Let's boil it down by looking at just a couple thoughts. The overriding thought I want us to have this morning is that as we follow Jesus, I want us to understand that he, in his divine power, uses every single thing in our lives to shape us into the image of Jesus. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Okay? Not all things work together for good for everyone. Okay? All things work together for good for those that love the Lord Jesus and are called according to his purposes. What is his purposes? That we might be conformed to the image of his son. That Jesus, I love this part in verse 29, Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, in Christ Jesus, because of Christ Jesus, uh, we, are, we, are, we are set at peace with God. And in Christ Jesus, God is going to use everything in our lives to make us like Christ Jesus so that Jesus being the firstborn who in the flesh won the right, won the right to be called Lord, right? He then, he then empowers those who trust him to also become like him. That I mean, he's working all things together for good. What is the good to become like Jesus? What is what is the good being prescribed here? You're just like Jesus. That's the good. Okay. I I sometimes have a tough time on a day to day basis understanding in the moment you might say how something is working out to to. Um, make me more like Jesus. I'm going to do a series in the coming year on violent discipleship, and here's a little preview of it. When I'm having those moments where I'm struggling to understand, how is this making me more like Jesus? How is this? How is God using this circumstance, this situation, this difficulty, this trouble, this lack in my life, how is he using that to make me more like Jesus? Some thoughts on violent di discipleship is what I call it. Some thoughts on violent discipleship always bring me back to a great reality check. If you think about being refined as as gold, you know, with fire, if you think about pruning, if you think about, uh, you know, the, the, the proverb that says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? That's friction. If you think about the work of the word in your life to pierce you, if you think about um, study to show thyself approve a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed you know working is, it's hard if you think about a farmer a soldier an athlete discipleship is in its very nature very difficult but God's 
point in all that is is to prune us so we bear fruit, to to give us friction so we become sharp on, on the one hand and smooth in His hand. Think about that. Uh, sharp, uh, sharp to be used, smooth to be held. I mean, it's a wild metaphor. Uh, just look at all those metaphors and see what God is doing. God is using. God is going to use every difficulty to shape us into the image of Jesus. So on a day-to-day basis, when I don't understand the why of the moment, I do understand the cosmic why. I'm becoming just like Jesus. Um, it's, it's sometimes difficult to come to the conclusion that Joseph came to in Genesis chapter 50 when he looks at his brothers and says, uh, my paraphrase, he says, hey boys, y'all, y'all meant all this stuff from an evil heart for selfish intentions. But God meant it for good. In other words, all the mean stuff y'all did, God sure did use it. That, that's something we have to cling to. So what's God doing in your life? God is making you just like Jesus. If you have come to him through Jesus, and by the way, that's the only way to, to come to him is through Jesus. He is then hitting you in Jesus so that you might conform you into the image of Jesus. I mean, you're already safely hidden there in Jesus, and in Jesus, you're being made into the image of Jesus so that you may join Jesus in the brotherhood that inherits from the Father, sits at his table, lives on his mission. And so, really... I almost got so excited, my head busted open right there. Really? What's God doing every day? He's making me just like Jesus. Now, before our time runs away from us, I, man, whew, I love this subject. I'd love to talk about it all day long. I, I want to jump into a bit of a case study together, all right? And uh, I, I tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take us on a wild ride. Here's a case study, all right? Being a fruitful disciple is following Jesus to bear fruit in relationship with him and others. He is using everything to shape us into the image of Jesus. Let's look at a case study. Philippians chapter 3, let's look at the Apostle Paul as a case study. Okay. I Obviously, I'm not going to give a lot of commentary on this. I'm going to read I'm going to read a lot of verses and make a couple points. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circ- circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, uh, uh, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness 
of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Thought one, Paul is basically, in our case study of Christ's likeness, Paul is basically saying, I want to know God at all costs. No matter what I lose, I want to know God at all costs. Now, let's continue. I'm going to read this whole chapter. It's only a few more verses left. But starting back in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything, and if in anything, excuse me, you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have have obtained have attained brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us for many of whom i have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of christ their end is destruction their god is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. If thought number one in the first few verses is that Paul wanted to know God at all costs, I think the point in the second part is that Paul wants to serve God in all things. Know him at all costs, serve him in all things. And what is God doing through all of that? What is God doing through knowing him at all costs and serving him in all things? He is shaping us into the image of his son. To be the most fruitful of disciples is really dependent on how surrendered we are to God in Christ Jesus. How much Jesus' lordship matters to us on a daily basis. That That is truly critical. So in a recap of the day, today's word of the day is Christ-likeness. We looked at the example of Levi, who when Jesus said, follow me, G, uh, Levi followed him. And then we, we looked over just to gain some understanding about life. We looked at Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Uh, in particular, we looked at that. God wants to use his divine power to to use every single thing in our lives to shape us into the image of Jesus. And then for a case study, we looked at how Paul wanted to know God at, at all costs and wanted to know Christ intimately at all costs. And then he wanted to serve him in all things. To be a fruitful disciple is to pursue the Christ likeness that God is wanting to deliver us to. Thank you guys for listening to Fruitful Disciple. Thank you guys for being with me in this in this Light Step Live series. Hang tight. Episode number four coming soon. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. Our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. This episode is sponsored by the Light Steps devotional series. 
Would you like to have Light Steps in print? Tim Bowes has written three devotionals, Light Steps, More Light Steps, and Steps on the Roman Road. During this gift-giving season, now is the perfect time to pick up a copy of one or all of these titles. Light Steps live music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Have you been searching for a way to learn how to play the banjo, mandolin, or guitar from an expert while also enjoying the comfort of your home? Banjo Ben is the answer. Visit BanjoBenClark.com. You'll find the package that fits your budget, the expert who can teach you how to play, and the online community who will support and join you in the grand adventure of learning to unleash your passion for music. Tim Bowes is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club.